This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. Ladies, this is the show that's here to give you stories of hope and healing from someone who has been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. Hey, people. Hello, hello. Hello, and oh, happy day to you. I pray that you all are well. It has been more than a minute since I've been able to be live with you. This is a day that God has made. I am rejoicing. I am still glad in it. I know that the fact that I am here means that um, there is still a purpose for me and work to be done. The fact that you are here means the same thing. So I'm glad that um, I'm able to, to rejoin you tonight. Um, as some of you may know, and some of you may not know, that we had to take time off. I had to take time off because my hubby, my wonderful, wonderful, handsome love of my life, hubby, he got sick um, back in September, September the 3rd to be exact. He got sick and... Um, ultimately passed away on the 22nd of September. Very um, unexpectedly, um, quite devastating, uh, tremendous shock to me and my family. Um, Maybe I'll go into some of that more detailed at another time. But tonight what I wanted to do was to, you know, address you all and let you know the basics of of what occurred so that we could um finish our tribute to to my hubby um for the last 4 weeks we have played encores of shows that he hosted with um different um men in his life um basketball interviews and um a um, couple of interviews with John Martin who was one of the um original um Toginet um um uh, what do you call it um um producers and owners um so we did that um in order to honor Chris and also of course to give me time to um deal with everything that was going on um by the grace of God I believe the word and I know the word of God to be true and the word does tell us that believers do not grieve like the world grieves we do not um, mourn as though we have no hope and as though we have no um, no God to to strengthen us and to carry us and I can literally say that um, I never would have expected 
to walk through this the way that I have. Um, the Lord has literally um, insulated me um, for for um, a big a big portion of this, and I've had various people say to me, um, you know, that I that they that I'm strong and. Um, you know, I guess they could see that and, and tell me that they could see that God had truly um, is the head of my life and has has cushioned the blow. Um, I am still grieving. I have felt the pain of it, but I know that God has, has uh, made it much easier for me than I ever would have imagined. Um, there were moments that I didn't feel like I could make it, um, that I didn't want to continue, that I didn't. I remember um, saying to the Lord that um, if Chris didn't make it, that I didn't want to be here. And it wasn't that I was suicidal um, in any negative way. It's just that um, that's how much I I love him and how um, uh, close we were. It's how close we were, and um, and I'm even struggling with how do I how do I phrase those types of things were and are, etc. So I am still grieving the loss, uh, his loss, the loss of him, and um, and I'm still adjusting to his absence. But I do know that I I have to continue the work that he and I have been doing. Um, I do believe that this was a work assigned by the Lord, um, and I haven't received any instruction from the Lord to to um, to cease this this program. During this pandemic, it has been surprising to me that our listening audience has actually expanded um, where we were um, getting. A few months ago, we were um, around 3,000 or so listeners, and now we've actually exceeded 7,000 in a month. And so for me and for, I'm still saying us because I'm used to saying it, <laughs> this is um, this is indication that the work is still needed. Um, people are tuning in. I think people have questions. Um, people are being shaken. And... Um, driven back to to seek the Lord. And so um, this is a, a good thing. So what I would like to do is um, tell you all kind of like the, the outline of, of what actually happened and, and uh, what led to Chris's passing. Um, and then I'm going to share with you um, the life reflections that we shared at his um, home going. We had a um, wonderful um, series of events to to send him off right, if you understand what I mean. I mean, I know that his spirit was, uh, was, was gone the moment that he uh, took his last breath, but um, I just felt strongly compelled that I wanted to do his home going a, a certain way and to do it in a way that was deserving of, of him, that he deserved um, a life celebration, um, not a traditional 
quote-unquote church service, um, and the reason for that was because of the type of man that he was. He was definitely a, a man of God and a righteous man, but as you have may have heard us say over the years that um, we um, – we uh, we observe some traditions, but many of the traditions of churches nowadays are confining, and they do not allow for um, the moving of the Holy Spirit, nor do they allow for um, expression. Um, they have time constraints, and they tell you, at least in the black community, that you only have two minutes to speak, um, and um, you only have two hours or whatnot, and... Um, a lot of churches nowadays, including the one that we were working at, um, Anacostia, um, is governed by a leadership that believes that they should charge for um, the use of their facilities and just things like that that over the years we have come to um, to disagree with and to detest. So we were determined um, to... Um, have his services in a way that um, that canceled all of those obstacles that allowed us to um, have a beautiful home going with a full um, with a full service. We we do we do honor those spiritual things, so we did have a full service in terms of um, a facilitator and songs and. Um, well, I'll go over that more after I get into that part, but. Um, we did have a full service, and then we had a um, his band, the band that he had been a part of for over 10 years, actually um, played for the celebration of life. We had the food catered. Um, I'll let you know before I end this show how you can view that service if you are interested and want to view the service, okay? So I'm coming up on a break. I know probably real soon here. And so I want to be mindful of that and, um, oh, I've still got two minutes. Okay, well then, let me start talking a little bit about it. Um, many of you have probably heard me talk about <clears throat> um, my views, uh, some of my views regarding the whole pandemic and um, not saying that the pandemic itself isn't real or that it wasn't um a valid concern, but the level of fear that was being perpetrated, Chris and I strongly disagreed with. The Lord um, led us and directed us to to govern ourselves without fear and to also tell other people not to walk in fear. Um, I do believe that fear plays a big part in um, um, advancing this um, this virus this COVID-19 virus. With that being said, um, COVID-19 is, is, COVID is what actually, um, uh, how do I put that? It is what Chris ended up uh, passing away because of. And um, after I tell you the, the, you know, how things went, then I want you to understand that this does not change my opinion, this does not change the viewpoint that the Lord gave us concerning COVID. Um, we made a conscious decision to um, abide by the guidelines, not that we liked them, and I still don't agree with mandating masks. 
and when you hear our story, you'll probably understand why. I still don't agree with that being a mandated thing. Um, my background as a nurse told me and um, affirmed to me that the average cloth face covering or the average mask would not insulate anyone from an actual virus. There's my music, so I will come back after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness to create soldiers for the army of the Lord and to impact our communities. We are home based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72, Waldorf, Maryland 20602. If you are not local, you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email. E-T-S The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of The Story of Me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The Story of Me. Thank God I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people, I'm back, and um, what we are trying to do tonight is um, basically end the tribute to Minister Chris, my wonderful, handsome hubby. Um, We did uh, four weeks of encores to honor him um, in the wake of his passing. For some of you that know and some of you that may not know, um, he passed away last month on September 22nd. And I was just getting ready to explain the circumstances. And they um, 
are related to um, him catching, um, being coming infected with the COVID-19 virus. So, as I was saying, um, we uh, were mind, we were mindful and aware of the risk. We had actually discussed whether or not we should um, isolate ourselves any more than what we were doing. We were not uh, being careless. We were not just being out willy-nilly, just doing whatever we felt like doing. We were um, middle-agers anyway, so we, we lived an active life, but um, we were at home. Chris was working from home. I was working from home, um, primarily um, dealing with uh, the ministry uh, myself. Um, and the main thing that we were doing um, was uh, working in our church. We were continuing to fellowship in our church. Our church had shut down for several months when the lockdowns uh, officially uh, originally happened, even though they did not have to because our numbers were barely 10 at the time anyway. But um, contrary to us, in, in out of fear, and out of abundance of caution, they shut the church down for several months. Chris and I were very concerned about that, me probably more than him, um, because I feel like the church was classified as non-essential in doing that. You know, not just our church, but churches across the nation were classified as being non-essential. And um, I find no place in Scripture where that's ever supposed to be the case. So I was one of those ones and still one of those ones who believed that that was an offense to God to demand and mandate that churches shut down. But anyway, the church had just reopened several months before this happened, and we were um, observing the guidelines, um, being forced to have our temperatures checked, um, sign in when we got there, um, uh, maintain six feet apart for the for the most part. Um, there's sometimes that's hard to do. Um, every minute but for the most part that's what we were doing um we only had barely 10 people most of the time and on occasion we would have maybe up to 16 people in a capacity of 50 so we were way under the 50 percent um uh, requirement in in which which was our requirement for some time but Maryland actually had increased to being able to have a 75% capacity because our numbers had dropped so well so basically we were you know trekking along and and um meeting for services and then on the 30th of August one of our deacons uh um daughter visited the church she had actually visited the week before as well, but she visited the church on this day. And um, a few days later, which was the third, um, Chris began to have symptoms, uh, low, low-grade fever, um, body aches, um, typical flu-type symptoms that, that could be, if you read the CDC guidelines, it even tells you that these symptoms could be any any number of respiratory um situations like the cold or the 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 regular flu or you know something along those lines so he was still active he was still um up and about outside um doing stuff in the yard and whatnot but then a few days later we get a text from one of the elders in the church 
You know, mind you, this is interesting to me that we get a text instead of a phone call, something as serious as this. But we get a text that the first person who had visited had um, been tested for COVID. We don't know why. To this day, we still don't know why, what made her go get the test, if she was symptomatic at the time that she came to church or not. Um, we saw her at church. She didn't sit near us. She was sitting all the way in the back of the church. Um, we had a very, very distant contact with her and even distant contact with her um, father. We weren't in his space for more than 15 minutes, if you will. Um, he had face protection. We had face protection. So to this day, I still um, don't, based on what we've been told anyway, based on this being transmitted by respiratory droplets and having to wear your mask, this never makes, it doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense, okay? But... On the 3rd, Chris had some symptoms, so a few days later, uh, I believe it was like around the 5th, we get another text saying that they're going to shut our church down for sanitizing and, and whatnot, and they're going to continue services in our big church. and We, we can go to that church if we want um, to attend those services, but Chris and I declined because Chris did have a fever, and we were being cautious. You know, we felt like whatever it was, he didn't need to be out. And that's just common medical background for me, being a nurse. So um, 9-6 rolls around, which is the following Sunday, and we are notified that we're going to just have a Zoom service, uh, resume our Zoom service um, by text. And now by this point, I'm very stirred up in my spirit. I'm very concerned about not only our church, I was more concerned about our church, actually, than Chris, because I felt like whatever it was he was dealing with, he was going to get over it, okay? Um, so we get notified that we're going to have a regular Zoom service, and we're going to resume our Sunday school lesson as as it was. We're just going to resume Sunday school, okay? On top of the church being shut down for sanitation, yada, yada, yada. So... I joined the Zoom call late, and as I've been known to do, I requested permission to discuss the actual situation that was going on because it was like there was no indication or plan to discuss what was actually going on. And I wanted to know uh, a little bit more about it, like, wait a minute, um, how is it that we can still go to the main church when the people that were um, – Conducting the main service had also been at our church at the time of the exposure, and I'm thinking, shouldn't they be shutting down or quarantining also if this is a major concern? Um, and through my questioning, I found out that several of the other members had went and got tested, okay? They had went and got tested before we were even notified by text that this was going on, and... Um, that morning before I joined the call, apparently one person had got results that she was also positive. Um, the deacon was still waiting for his results to come back, so now this is starting to look a little more serious, okay? Um, we were not told who, who all tested, but just that a few people had tested, some were negative, 
one was positive, so now Chris became concerned that he should get tested, that he should get tested and find out if this is what he was dealing with. So on the 6th, he went and got tested. Um, when he got tested, the doctors did a full workup, not just a text, um, I mean just a test. They actually did chest x-rays, lab work, and, you know, a full checkup on him and said that his symptoms did not match COVID symptoms, even though he had a fever by that point. His fever had gone up to 102. They still said his symptoms, his chest x-ray was clear. His lab work was good. <laughs> he didn't have signs of white blood cell, you know, like high leukocyte, uh, high white blood cell count or any of the other things. So they said, um, you know, go home, keep taking your Tylenol. Um, we'll take the COVID test just as a precaution and um, keep doing what you're doing. So on the 9th, um, which was three days later, they said, we'll have your results. Uh, uh, that morning, actually, he woke up with, uh, with a cough and he was having trouble clearing his cough. So I, with my background, knew that he had used an inhaler in the past for seasonal allergy-type problems. We pulled that out, and he used that. And then just after we did that, we get a call from the testing center and the clinic telling us that his test was, in fact, positive. Okay, so... With that news, of course, he became more concerned. I was still walking in faith and telling him, honey, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We're going to fight this. You're going to be fine. He's battled more serious. He's battled serious health um, concerns in the past. He battled kidney cancer in the past, and the Lord um, helped, healed him. The Lord healed him through the help of the doctors and totally um insulated the tumor. The doctors had given him the worst prognosis that there was, said that the cancer had surely metastasized to other parts of his body, and when they got in there, they found out that the cancer had not metastasized, that it had totally insulated itself, and they were able to get it all out. So I'm still believing God, you know, that he's going to come through this fine, and this is going to be a testimony that we can share with other people about the power of God to deliver okay um my break is coming up so i'm going to have to pause here so we continue to aggressively boost his immune system you know i started um giving him garlic and ginger and lime tea around the clock and um um of course the tylenol for the fever and you know we used this inhaler as needed and the humidifier and there's my break okay Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. <laughs> a black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, 
a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from AuthorHouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like Amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people, this is me. Um, this show is about life, love, and trauma. And my topic tonight is certainly about life, love, and trauma. I um, I shared a wonderful, beautiful life with Christopher Jones, uh, 22 years. We just celebrated our anniversary um, back in August. Um, and um, now... Um, we are experiencing and my family experiencing and people that knew him are experiencing the traumatic uh, loss of him. Um, thankfully, as believers, uh, we do not grieve as those who have no hope and as those who, um, you know, as though I don't know where Chris is at. Um, I do grieve because I'm, I miss him, and um, he was such a tremendous, uh, wonderful part of my life. But tonight what I'm trying to do is um, end the tribute that we have um, held for him for the past month on the air and um, set the path for us to continue to move forward um, so that I can continue the work that him and I um we're doing, and I do feel I'm still supposed to do that. This is this is an assignment that must continue. So what I was just describing is the events that led to his passing, and um, I was describing how the doctors had said that they still didn't think he had COVID. Um, based on his symptoms um, until his test results came back on the 9th that he was COVID positive. Um, it was interesting to me that the doctor had only prescribed up to that point Tylenol for the fever and <coughs> medication for diarrhea <coughs> because he had some diarrhea and, and that had actually resolved. But by the 11th, all the remedies that I had researched and that I was doing, um, garlic and ginger and lime tea um, around the clock, every three or four hours, humidifier to help keep his lungs 
opened up and, and clear because he was coughing. Um, they had given him a new inhaler so that he could use that as needed. Um, his fever still um, would not stay down. It would come down. And that's why um, I'm going to talk about this, that, you know, my opinion has not changed in terms of these these mandated precautions. I, I think that they are um, just something to make people um, think that they're accomplishing something. They're 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 what I call it's what I call psychological psychological warfare. Okay, because there were times when Chris's temperature would be down in the daytime. It would it would be down, and um, then at nighttime. That was how it was for the first couple of days. Then at nighttime, the temperature would go up. So you could have a person come into your establishment and you take the temperature and it's down and they could still be symptomatic. They could still be COVID positive. Okay, so what's the point in that? What's the point in that? As I said earlier, we were wearing face coverings because they were mandated to be worn, mandated to be worn. And um, we were not around a lot of people the little handful of people that we had at our church. And even when we were there around each other, we weren't in each other's faces for more than 15 minutes at a time. Um, it was less than that. We were like passing by, okay, observing the six the six feet deal, supposedly, um, that we're required to do. And somehow he still got the virus. So by the 11th, by the 11th, he woke up that morning um, actually doing – he had had kind of a rough night with the temperature, and we had, you know, worked with him cool cloths and whatnot and Tylenol and the whole nine yards and, and got the fever to come back down, and he woke up that morning um, without fever. And I woke up to check on him and ask, you know, see how he was doing. That was about 8.30 that morning, and he said – um, I'm doing okay. He says, go back to sleep. You need your rest. Because he was very concerned about me having to take care of him. He didn't He didn't like me having to be so concerned about him and everything. And so I went back to sleep. And then a few hours later, my daughter happened to call to check on both of us and woke me up. And when she woke me up, I could hear Chris coughing. He was in the, the other room at his desk trying to get some work done. Uh, trying to submit papers to his job, actually, about the fact that he was COVID positive and he was going to need to um, be on, quote, unquote, COVID leave. Um, and um, I could hear him coughing quite badly. So I said, hey, Nelly, let me go check on Dad. And when I did, it was it was noticeable that he was wheezing a little bit and struggling to breathe, even though he was functioning. He was still functioning, still determined to turn in his paperwork. And I was like, honey, let, let me check your let me check your oxygen. I had this little device called a pulse oximeter, and I checked his oxygen, and, um, and it was dropping dangerously. It was dropping into the 70s, and, and you, should, you, should, you should be 90 and above, okay? But he was still looking like himself. It was the craziest thing. He didn't look uh, bad. Uh, I have, you know, I have assessment skills and stuff, so I could see that he was coughing and he was struggling. And I said, honey, we need to get you to the to the hospital. And he was 
disagreeing with me and insisting that he needed to finish what he was trying to do first. So I had to threaten to call 911 before I could get him to stop what he was doing. And um, he, he only stopped after he finished submitting his paperwork because he wanted to make sure that his leave got submitted so that I could be taken care of financially if he had to be in the hospital. It's the kind of man that my husband was, you know, and the, and the, just the considerate, caring, provider, protector that he was. So anyway, um, I got into the emergency room. They took him in, and um, by that night, you know, he, he called me actually that evening and said, hey, honey, um, they said my breathing is getting worse, and they're going to have to move me to the intensive care unit. And they want to put me on a ventilator. And I had heard all of the stories about vents and, and how how in the beginning they were saying put people on ventilators. And then later on it became clear that ventilators were not the best option. And if you could avoid that, you should avoid it at all costs. But um, he was he was gun-ho for that. He, he believed that that was the right way to go, and that's what they were recommending. And they said they didn't know what else to do so that's what happened and um the lord worked it out actually where um he he gave me peace during all of this and he worked it out to where i was not supposed to be able to get to see him because of um the fact that i had been exposed to him and the hospital rules and policies you know were that people cannot come in who 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 are potential uh, covid um positive people and so I wasn't supposed to get to go in there, but they actually called me, and he called me, and he said, Dear, you know, they're going to let you come up and see me before uh, they put me on the vent. And so I was like, well, thank you, Jesus. And the Lord worked it out where they called me, and I um, didn't get to go into his room. I did have to wear face protection, and I had to stand outside of the glass, but I got to blow kisses at my hubby and... He gave me the biggest smile, and I can feel his spirit, and he was just um, excited. He just seemed like he had the attitude, like, you know what, okay, let's do this. Let's do what we got to do so I can get better. And I know he said something something smart and um, witty to the doctor because the doctor looked up at me and smiled at me, and I said to myself, that man of mine is still making jokes. <laughs> He's still making jokes like he always does, and I just remember thinking he never looks as bad as he feels, and he didn't look bad. He still didn't look bad, but that is the last time that my hubby um, got to wave at me or see my face because they put him on the ventilator, and they sedated him, and they medically paralyzed him so that he could rest so his lungs could rest, and uh, it was one battle after the other after that. Uh, A little bit more to that story, but I'm going to stop there because I also want to be able to share his life reflections. Um, Basically, he lost the battle. He lost the battle while he was in the hospital. I finally was able to get tested myself. I tested positive also. 
I wasn't surprised about that because I was sharing space with him during that time. And the Lord had actually warned me that I was going to test positive, I think, so that I wouldn't be afraid. Um, And I had already determined in my mind that I wasn't going to leave him um, to fend for himself anyway. So I said, Lord, I just need you to, to... take care of me then because I, I can't leave him to fend for himself, you know. So it wasn't until he was hospitalized that I was able to go get tested and found out that I was positive. But I didn't have the underlying conditions that Chris had. Chris, he did have diabetes. He did have um, hypertension. He had lost one kidney. So he had a much bigger battle to fight than I did. My symptoms were mild compared to him. And the Lord saw fit for me to recover, which is one thing that the the media and most people are not telling people, that the majority of people have recovered from this virus. The majority of the people do recover, and it is um, a percentage of people usually with underlying conditions, usually that are over 60, Chris had just turned 59, so he was right there at the cusp. And my honey just couldn't fight. And um, I'll tell you more after the break about how beautiful he was in death, because I want to leave you encouraged. I want to leave you with hope and knowing that, um, you know, what the enemy means for evil, God uses for our good, and um, we don't lose, just like I've said before. If we pass away because of something like COVID, we don't lose because we go to be with the Lord. We don't have to suffer the pains and the, you know, trauma of this life anymore because we have the ultimate victory, and the ultimate healing by going to be with Christ. More after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day, not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, and any major bookstore. Overcoming Sexual Abuse. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. 
Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, Trisha Goyer, that's G-O-Y-E-R dot com. Trisha's vision is to be a voice of hope and possibility for teenage girls, pregnant teens, mothers, and wives. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living to do? Yes. Start Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Thank God I am free. I am free. Welcome back to I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, so I'm going to try to wrap this up. We, um, I am talking about... My husband, Christopher Jones, his battle with COVID-19, how um, this virus is uh, definitely from the pits of hell, as is sickness and disease. Sickness and disease comes from the fact that we live in a fallen world. This one, however, was intentionally um, designed and created for exactly what it's doing, which is why I say it's from the pits of hell, okay? But just like any other battle, believers must learn to battle in the spirit and in the natural, okay? In the, in the spirit, we have weapons of warfare that we use that I cannot list right now because it would take up too much time but if you're a believer and if you're a true disciple of Christ you understand what I'm talking about we must battle in the spirit but we also must battle something like this in the natural and by that I mean you know the underlying conditions played a major role in Chris's ability to fight this illness he did he did not have diabetes type 1 he developed diabetes type 2 um in his middle age years in his 40s and he developed hypertension um prior to that after getting out of the military um the fact that he had already lost a kidney one kidney didn't help but so diabetes and hypertension were some of those underlying factors and those conditions are reversible for a lot of people they are for a lot of people my hubby tried and he managed those things with medication but he wasn't able to 
overcome them and reverse them by losing the weight. Um, that was one of the primary factors in him having both because there were times that he had lost enough weight where he came off of the medications, where he his blood sugars were normal and his blood pressure was normal. And then something would happen and it would cause him to gain the weight back and prime, one of the major events that happened is when he got hit with the with the kidney tumor then that was a setback for him so when I say battling in the spirit and in the natural these are the kinds of things that I'm talking about but in spite of that in spite of that death is not the worst thing that can happen to a believer Okay, death is the worst thing that can happen to you if you are an unbeliever, if you remain in your sins, if you refuse to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you refuse to acknowledge God's gift to mankind of the Lord Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, for your sins, then death is a horrible thing because death causes you to be separated from God for eternity and to be tormented and to be tormented in the lake of fire during that separation well as a believer that's that's not what happens with us and I can tell you I can tell you that I got to witness for myself. My kids got to witness. Some of the hospital staff even told me, and and the hospital chaplain told me that just the day before, just prior to Chris passing away, um, I finally got to see him. You know, for the 10 days he was hospitalized, there was one reason after the other where I was not able to see him on uh Zoom. They were supposed to set up a Zoom call for me at first. Then the technology went out, you know, and 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 for days they couldn't set up the Zoom call. Then when he actually got transferred to another facility, I tried the the same thing, and they kept telling me that they were going to set that up for me through an iPad or whatever, and and they just didn't make it happen. And I, you know, it was very. It would have been more troubling had the Lord not given me peace. The Lord had given me peace until finally the day before he passed, the doctor called me and told me that she didn't believe he was going to make it through the day, and therefore the chaplain got involved, the hospital chaplain got involved, and thank God for her because I told her at that point, I need to see my husband. I need to see my husband. He needs to hear my voice. Whether he is sedated or not, he can hear me. All the science that I have known and the medical training that I got says that people can still hear you when they were um, in comas. A lot of times they can still hear. When they are sedated, they can still hear. Okay, So I wanted him to hear my voice. I wanted him to know that he was not fighting alone. And uh, the Lord worked it out where I got to talk to him. My kids got to talk to him. My kids actually got to go into the hospital and and see him through the glass. But back to what I was saying, the day before he passed, we all got to witness how beautiful he was in in his passing. When I saw him on the camera, he looked gorgeous. He he had 
he didn't look like he had been through anything. He looked like he was just resting, like he was taking a nap. That's how my son described it. My son was, like, blown away. Um, my daughter was like, Mom, he looks so young. He looks so young. She said he looks like he's glowing. And I got to see that radiance and that glow all over his face. And I knew that he was already in the presence of the Lord. I said to my daughter, I said, honey, that is the glory of the Lord that you are seeing on his countenance. The chaplain told me when she looked at his chart, she was shocked because his chart said that he was 59. But when she went in the room to look at him, he looked like he was 29, 30 years old. So he was already transitioning into that glorious place that he was heading to. And that was such a comfort to me and my kids. And it was, it seemed miraculous to us, but it wasn't miraculous because it's what the Bible says. It's what the Bible says about those who go to sleep in Christ. Okay. Those who go to sleep in Christ, it's a beautiful thing. So we had three beautiful homegoing events for him. We had a homegoing celebration that included a service. If you would like to see that celebration, you can go to our Facebook page, Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our, our Facebook page is on this show page, and all you have to do is go to the Facebook page and scroll down and you'll see it, Homegoing Service for Minister Christopher E. Jones. If you'd like to see that, you can see it. Um, we had um, his internment, you know, his, his um, committal was the following day um, because we gave him military honors that he deserved. He served 20 years in the military. And so he had a beautiful military honors with the folding of the flag and the meaning of the flag. Many people don't know that the meaning of the foldings of the flag, there's 13 folds they do to to put the flag into a triangle when they present it to you. And they they have, the majority of them have biblical and spiritual meanings, and we wanted that known to people, okay? And then um, we had a basketball memorial, a, a small get-together at our home because Chris had wanted to have a barbecue for his ball players last summer, the the summer, but with the pandemic and everything, he wasn't able to do that. So we were able to do that. Um, and we sent him home like the ambassador and the um, man of God that he was. Um, we had a tremendous outpouring of love and a tremendous outpouring of support from people's lives that he had touched, and that truly made us feel blessed, blessed to to see the confirmation of what we already knew about him. Looks like I'm not going to be able to read his life reflections tonight. Um, we'll see what what uh, our next live show brings. Um, I'll pray about whether I should continue this tribute or should this be it tonight. Um, I'll let you know, okay? So um, we are looking to forward to some great things, though, in the ministry. 
Um, I am planning on designing some T-shirts and some keepsakes in his honor. I do want to be able to keep the ministry on the air, and I feel for the first time that it would be appropriate and acceptable for me to make those things available to people who might want to um, get those items. Um, If you'd like to support us, please go to our PayPal donate page on the show page and help us keep the ministry on the air. This show is about life, love, and trauma, but we always like to leave you with hope. And my hope is still in Christ. Chris's hope was in Christ. And I know that he is with the Lord because I got to witness for myself the glory of the Lord that was all over his face when he transitioned. I pray that you... um, will be well and blessed until we talk again, until I'm on the air again. Thanks for indulging me. I love you. Jesus loves you. Until next time, good night. Mm -hmm.